0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by LaCrosse Footwear. If you guys haven't had the opportunity to go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out all of the boots that these guys make, you need to do it. They make some really good boots, everything from the Alpha Burley Pros that uh, I wore last year to this year wearing uh, the Atlas from the new Navigator series that these guys have just came come out with really good quality boots really good company that's been around for a very long time and when you get high quality and a a brand that just cares about its customers those are those are two things that are you can't beat so if you want to find out more information about all of the products that lacrosse makes please visit lacrossefootwear.com Yo, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Sorry this episode got out late, but guess what? It's up. Some of you might not be listening to this till the weekend or even next week, but uh, dude, November's gone. I cannot believe how fast November came and went. Uh, I feel like I, even though I hunted more days this year than I normally do, I feel like I'm still... In shock of how fast everything went, and I feel like I didn't hunt as much as I wanted to. But if you ask my wife, I hunted way more, way too much, and I should have been home more. <laughs> but that's how it goes in October and November. And uh, I, I don't know. I, am looking forward to late season, and uh, I. It looks like the weather is going to be good for the upcoming shotgun season. So I guess good luck to all the iowa shotgun hunters out there who are uh, to all gun hunters out there although there's a little part of me and i know this sounds mean there's a little part of me that is praying for rain and snow and extremely cold weather and blizzard conditions that make it dangerous to be outside because i can see a direct result on the farms that i hunt when the shotgun season is has bad weather then the deer there's more deer the next year on the farm hands down hands down because they go through and they they take a good chunk off of the farm every single year uh, they wipe out the doe population or put a good hurting on the doe population that's there and uh, i'm pretty sure they take a, a uh, their their share of young young bucks uh, i think last year they might have shot uh, a, a really good one off the farm but other than that Uh, late season it's where it's at so all all year long I've been praying or in bitching about how the corn was in well now I've reached a point to where I want the corn to stay in and I want there to be bad weather on top of all that so what that does is it just isolates the deer herd to stay on the property that I hunt and they're close to a food source and I can just hunt right in between where they're bedding and that late season food source which is uh, now I think I don't think they've gotten it out yet but the standing corn that I was bitching about earlier this year so we'll see what happens Uh, I'd like to get out for late season but uh, I'm busy I'm actually really busy uh, preparing for a quote unquote trade show season and for those of you guys who don't know about the hunting industry now that the season is over it's hyper-focused time on reaching out to the companies and getting my data together, like all my downloads and all my impressions and doing all uh, of the analytics calculations that I then turn into a media kit, which then turns I in turn uh, give to the companies who are looking to advertise. And then I say, well, hey, I got a platform that you can advertise your products on. And that's kind of how it all works, right? So this time of year, I'm really focused on my analytics. I'm really focused on uh, calculating all the numbers. And uh, not only am I doing that for the Nine Finger Chronicles, because of the Sportsman's Nation, I'm doing that for all the other uh, people who are on. on on that as well and I'm behind if you ask them I'm behind and uh, so that's something I'll I'll be working on over the next uh, couple weeks here before the ATA show in January and then uh, it's trade show season so then no companies are responsive and then after that is when a lot of decisions get made so uh, I'll be busy and other than that did I even mention what today's podcast is about? I think today we're talking with, well, I know today we're talking with returning guest Levi Rosentretter, and he shot another beautiful buck out of Illinois, and uh, this is what today's episode is about. It's about a buck that he car- calls Barbed Wire, and Barbed Wire he has three years of history uh, with, and it's just an awesome podcast about being able to chase a single deer for you know a couple years and having an awesome end result and I love hearing stories like this absolutely love hearing stories like this and I hope you do too so before we get into today's episode though we got to do a commercial with Ozonix right and you guys hear me talk about Ozonix all the time uh, Ozonix is a unit uh, you put in your tree and it creates O3 which is ozone and it's uh, basically a scent or an odor uh, dissolving molecule and it's an it's unstable so it attaches to anything that is not O3 right as it as it deteriorates so the the whole thought process is that downwind a deer isn't going to smell you per se it's going to smell a version of you that. Doesn't necessarily threaten the animal, and I've had so much success with this over the years that it's it is just a staple when it comes to hunting my hunting equipment. When I'm in a tree stand, even walking to and from the tree stand, my Ozonics is on, and I am I I just feel so confident with this thing in the tree, and it also um, allows you to really. I don't know, hunt more places with less human scent, less pressure, and uh, I think it's just awesome for maybe a guy who only has access to a very small piece of property or a very high pressured piece of property. I just see an Ozonics working really well there and uh, some places where maybe deer are overpopulated and there are a lot of them. So those are three different scenarios where I think an Ozonics would work really well. If you guys want to find out more information about Ozonics, you need to go to their website, OzonicsHunting.com. Take a look at their new unit, the Orion. Um, it's just the culmination of all these years of research and development done by this company. And it's awesome. Uh, it's, it's one of those products you do have to try for yourself. Uh, you can't really take my word for it other than me sharing my experiences, but it's something I, I think every, every serious hunter really needs to, to try out. And I do have a discount code and that discount code is NFC one nine. And what that does is it allows you to buy a unit and then you get a dry wash bag for free. Uh, when you do that and you can find out what the products you want it goes for the hr 300 or the orion or the hr 200 and then when you purchase your unit you'll get a free dry wash bag uh, it's automatic automatically gets added to your cart so that's uh ozonics now man we've been talking now for a while i'm gonna hop off we're gonna get right into this episode hopefully you guys enjoy it happy friday have a good weekend and we'll talk to you next week all right, everybody. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast and on the phone right now, I have Levi Rosentredder Levi what's up man
1: Hey, what's going on, Dan?
0: man? I tell you what my favorite my favorite part about all of this is people sharing their stories with me, and I know you've shared a couple over the years. This is your fourth time, I believe on the podcast, right. Yep. Fourth time. Fourth time. And, uh, I remember you were one of the first episodes, uh, I would say in, in year number one, one of the very first episodes that I recorded probably inside the top 20, if I had to guess. And, uh, and, uh, so I, I love building these relationships pe- with people, even though we've never, I don't think we've ever met in person, but I love building these relationships with people. And, you know, I get excited when people, you know, send me messages like, hey, dude, look what I did this year, or hey, this is what I'm going to try this year. And, and this, this, all of this is starting to build into a community. And this is what I, this is what I love. So I love hearing uh, from you because uh, you found success this year. And uh, I'm, I'm I, I guess I just get jacked when uh, <laughs> I get to talk about these stories. And I'm sure you are jacked as well just based off of the pictures that you sent me.
1: Oh yeah, for sure man. It was an interesting year for sure and man, I couldn't be happier the way it turned out. Right.
0: Okay. So, this is a no foreplay episode. We're not going to uh, bitch to or uh, bitch. We're not going to complain too much. <laughs> uh or talk in, about, you know, our kids or work or anything like that. We're getting right into it today. And so you killed this, a buck this year. What date did you kill him on? I killed him November 1st. Okay, November 1st. It's a good day to start killing deer, all right? But the story doesn't start there, all right? Mm-hmm. where When does the story of this buck actually start? Okay, I'm going to take you back
1: a couple of years to 2017. Okay. Um, 2017... Summer of, or summer of 2017, I was running trail cameras, and I had this buck show up in velvet. It was probably early August, and he was an absolute giant. Yeah. And after he showed up, I kept waiting and waiting to get more pictures of him. I got one series of pictures of him, three pictures, and I didn't get any other pictures the rest of the year. No spottings of him or no sightings all year. And as far as I knew, that was the end of the story on this buck. One and done.
0: One set of pictures and done.
1: One set of pictures. I mean, you know, you know how it goes in the summer. Sometimes these bucks show up and you never see them again. And that's just what I figured
0: this buck here did. Yeah. So. So quick question on, is this on a farm that you hunt regularly or is this a a new farm? Back Um, in 2017.
1: This actually is not what I would call my home farm. This is about an hour and a half away. And it's one of those farms that I run cameras on all year, but I only hunt it whenever the time's right. You know, I keep the pressure off and maybe only hunt it four or five times a year. How many acres? Uh, It's about 180 acres. Okay.
0: 180 acres. You you run some trail cameras on it. Uh, Would you say this is one of the best farms that you hunt? Is that why you only hunt it, you know, during the the best time of year? Or is it because, you know, like schedule and the, you know, the other farm being closer to home?
1: Yeah, that's part of it. You know, it's an hour and a half drive, so I don't get up there as much as I'd like. But, man, it holds some big deer. So it is one one of my better spots for sure. Gotcha.
0: Okay. And remind everybody again what state you're in oh i'm in illinois illinois okay what what part of the state
1: um west central
0: west central okay all right cool so after you get these velvet picks and as you're hunting in 2017 did this deer ever cross your mind like man it'd be cool if he shows up or did you kind of just forget about him
1: i tell you what he was in the back of my mind the whole the whole year you know because i i'd seen him and he was the biggest deer i had on camera up there um so he was definitely on my
0: mind, but deep down, I really didn't think I would ever see him. Yeah, and and what what age did you think he was in, in 2017? Man, it's so hard to tell whenever they're in velvet, but
1: you know, just kind of judging by his rack, I figured he was at least five and a half, and possibly older.
0: Yeah, yeah. From the picture you sent me. And it's kind of hard because one of them is head on, and the other one is quartering towards quite a bit. I would say four, you know, four or five. He's got good, yeah, good, sunken in shoulders. You know, he's got that sway back. He's got a big gut. Uh, and then we're looking at what do you, What do you think he is in that picture? Uh, maybe high one sixties.
1: Yeah, I was gonna put him right around one seventy, probably. Yeah, is yeah. what I guessed. But it's so hard to tell when they're in velvet. You yeah. know, I just knew he was.
0: A big deer and a definite shooter, yeah, absolutely. so the two thousand seventeen season kind of passes, and you don't you don't have any encounters with him. he doesn't show back up on trail camera. When was the next piece of the puzzle kind of added?
1: um well, that February, uh me and a buddy went up to this farm um uh, for our annual shed hunt. We usually go up there every year, yep and Again, this deer, at this point, I hadn't seen him all year. Uh, I honestly thought he was probably dead. I figured he either got killed by another hunter or who knows, you know what, how these deer disappear. So he wasn't even on my mind at all. And we're shed hunting up there and we find a few good sheds and we're getting towards the end of the shed hunt. We're about to call it a day and I spot a shed laying in the grass. And I go up to it and sure enough it is one of the sheds off of this buck. And I I couldn't believe it because <laughs> like I said, I completely pretty much ripped this deer off and here here is shed is and it's the last shed on the entire property I expected to find. So I'm talking to my buddy and I, we both agreed, you know, as heavy as that where rack is, you know, his other shed's got to be close. So we start just grid searching, and my buddy happened to find his other side not 20 yards away from where I found his first side. Really? So we ended up finding the match set right there, which actually turned out to be only 250 yards from where I got the picture of him in the
0: summer. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how – A deer will, and this this happened to me in 2000, and let's see, 2019, 2018, in 2017 as well. uh, Spring of 2017, I found a shed of a buck that I had uh, throughout all of the 2016, no wait, I'm trying to think here, okay, 2017 I had this one buck all over a specific part of the farm, found his shed spring of 2018, had three pictures of him in velvet the entire year, and that's it. And then I ended up killing killing him, just kind of like in a different kind of scenario, in 2018, the fall of 2018. So it's crazy how a deer will be in an area, you'll find his sheds, and there won't be any trail camera pictures of him at all on the farm. So these, these deer... I don't know if if they're smarter than we think, dumber than we think, or if they're just accessing the terrain different or maybe not hardly moving at all during that that winter early spring period. I it just blows my mind how for you know like you, no trail camera pictures of this buck but you found his match set. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it just makes you wonder if, you know, if these deer like you said if they're just not moving much but you know, I have I have a hard time believing that that's the case, but trail right. cameras, trail cameras miss so much. And that's one thing that a lot of people, including myself, forget, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny you, you bring that up. So this year, uh, no, it was last year, I put a trail camera facing down on another one of my trail cameras because I was, the goal was to try to catch someone uh, stealing it. So I got it up about Mm -hmm. 20 feet in the air pointing down at that trail camera and it was in front of a, a mineral station. So the one trail camera showed all these deer, you know, a couple of good bucks at this mineral station. And it wasn't until I checked the other camera that I noticed there was a really big buck going behind the trail camera every single time he was in the area and never hitting the mineral station. So that is a perfect example of the trail cameras are only capturing a small portion of what's in front of what's out there.
1: Absolutely.
0: So yeah, absolutely crazy. All right. So the the next question I have is uh, a shed, hun- a shed hunting question, because like I'm looking at, I, I I just got moved into the new office and I got my, a big pile of sheds that I still have to hang up on the walls. Shed hunting is one of my favorite things to do. I would say very close, very close or equal to actually hunting uh, deer. I don't know what it is about finding a shed that just gets me jacked up, no matter what the size is. How excited were you when you guys found this match set? And did that lead to any ideas about how you were going to approach the upcoming season
1: dude i was so pumped whenever i found that first side and when my buddy picked up the other side we started hugging in the middle of this field and <laughs> i mean we looked like a bunch of idiots i'm sure but it was yeah we were pumped um for sure no i agree with you about shed hunting though like i think it's just something about you know you have a great chance of success every time you go out whereas deer hunting you're probably going to fail, you know, when you go out, but yeah. So I love shed hunting yeah. probably just as much as I do actually hunting as well. But, um, as far as this buck, I still, I still wasn't sure how I was going to hunt this deer. Like I said, I didn't, I had two small pieces of the puzzle, so I was really just going to run cameras in the summer and hope I picked them up and maybe found some sort of pattern. But right. Right. I, I, I at least knew he was alive and in the area, so that gave me something to go off of.
0: Yeah. All right, so uh, summer of 2017, you get the trail camera pictures of him. Uh, Late winter, which would be February of 2018, you found the sheds, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So after that, uh, when was the next kind of encounter? Did you see him at all? uh, Any velvet pictures in 2018 at all?
1: Well, believe it or not, 2018, I ran cameras, and I actually ran more cameras on this farm just trying to pick up this deer specifically, yeah. and I did not get a single picture of them in velvet, and so I ran even more cameras once they shed velvet. I was putting them on scrapes, trying to catch, up, you know, catch them anywhere I could, um, and I didn't get any pictures of them again, but... That being said, I did pick up a new buck on camera, okay. and this deer here, you've seen the picture of the, of this other buck we've been talking about in velvet, and he was kind of non-typical. He had like an extra kind of main beam going on. Um, this one here was just a perfectly typical 12, and good frame, and I would I would have put him real close to that 170 mark as well. And like I said, I didn't know this deer at all. He just kind of showed up. And so although I didn't get this other one on camera, I found a new buck on camera that I was going to try to pursue this year. Yeah, yeah. Or in 2018.
0: All right. So the question I have for you now then is, what what are your thoughts on crop rotation? And do you think that that had something to do with this deer's annual pattern? this buck's annual pattern man i don't
1: know i i'd like to say that you know i can track it by what's in the field but it changes so much um and this farm here there's not a ton of crops around it's uh kind of like a bluff bluff area there's a lot of you know big ridges steep bluffs uh, a lot of timber there's a few fields, but I don't think crop rotation played a very big role as far as this deer goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but do, it's it's hard to say.
0: Do you have any ideas why this deer, or was there a good acorn crop, or um, or maybe it just wasn't this deer, the farm that you uh, were hunting, maybe it just wasn't this buck's core area? Well, I, what did you That's, think?
1: That's honestly what I thought. I I figured that he just summered on, uh, on my property here and, you know, maybe came back. Cause I've had to do that before. They summer on my property. They leave during the hunting season and they come back and drop their sheds on my property. Yeah. So I figured that there was a good chance that's what was going on. Um, but I also, again, I was wondering, maybe this deer died of VHD. Maybe he got hit by a car, maybe another hunter got him. So,
0: Yeah, I just didn't know. But, again, I'd pretty much written him off. Okay. All right. All right. But it's not like a big deal because uh, you had another booner come onto your farm. And uh, what was the deal with that buck? Did uh, he stick around or did uh, he disappear as well?
1: Well, this buck here, he did stick around. And I had pictures of him in velvet. And then I had pictures of him hard horn, you know, early in the season, early October. And this was going to be the number one deer I was going after on this farm this year. And I went up there probably around my birthday, October 21st, somewhere around there to check cameras. So I checked the first camera I checked. It was on the scrape where I usually get most of the most of the bucks in the area. So I had uh, high hopes of picking them up on this camera. Sure enough, the first buck I get on this camera, it's this buck that, had shown up this year that i was after but he'd already broke off his g3 and g4 right at the base oh man so
0: so he's kind of garbage at
1: that point i pretty much decided if i did get a chance at him i was going to pass him
0: yeah and hope he made it through the season yeah any other uh good caliber deer that you were going to chase on on your farms that year in 2018
1: yeah, I did have a couple good ones I was after. Uh, I actually ended up shooting uh, – he was probably a 4-year-old, probably 100 and, I don't know, 35-inch 8-pointer. Um, he was a pretty good buck. He put on a good show and got me excited, and I shot him. So yeah. I still had I still had a successful season. Uh, not the buck I was after, but I
0: couldn't complain. Yeah, it's very rare that uh... – all of our dreams of <laughs> killing one of our hit listers bucks, you know what I mean? Like uh, this year, I had uh, three deer on the hit list. Two of them didn't even show up on trail camera at all, or I don't. I think they just, you know, they disappeared during the season and come back late season. I haven't checked my tr- cameras since uh, about November twelfth or thirteenth, the day I actually. Uh, shot my buck this year who was not on my hit list because I didn't even know (laughs) about him. Right. And then, you know, so it's not like I had three deer that I really wanted to shoot on the properties that I had access to and only saw one of those three deer one time and had some trail camera pictures of him. But other than that, you know, it's, you just got to get lucky too. I mean, you can do everything right, but you still have to rely on that deer to show up within shooting range you know, on the, with the right wind on the right day that you're in that tree. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's
1: the most aggravating yet still rewarding thing yeah. to chase a single deer, you know,
0: but. So 2018, uh, kind of goes by, you shoot, uh, you shoot a, a great deer, any other sightings or pictures, maybe late season or winter of, uh, Either one of those two bucks that you were chasing.
1: Um. Well, honestly, after after I seen that he broke his tines, I probably on, only hunted up that, there on that farm probably three times all season. Got ya. Just be, just because I didn't have anything else on camera that I was really excited about, so I had no more encounters with that deer or the other deer the entire year.
0: Yeah. Okay. So shed hunting, you go back up, uh, you you do your annual shed hunt, any sheds that lead you back to, uh, uh, did you give this buck a name that we're going to be talking, that we're talking about today?
1: Yeah, I should have mentioned that. So we named him barbed wire. Barbed
0: wire. Gotcha. Yep. So any other... From 2018 or spring of 2019, any other uh, contact trail cameras, sheds from barbed wire?
1: None whatsoever. And the other deer, I let my, let my wife name, and she named him Big Red. Big but Red. I had no, no sheds of barbed wire or Big Red. We found some nice sheds, but neither one of theirs.
0: Got you. All right. So uh, at this point, it's been a long time since you've had any information about barbed wire, did, was he written off at this point?
1: Barbed wire was 100% written off. Okay. Big red. I still had hope for.
0: Yeah. Okay. So going into the summer of 2019 now, what, uh, what showed up? When did it show up? Did it show up? Well, uh,
1: I had some good bucks show up, you know, as usual, I always get good bucks show up there during the summer. It's a great, great summer farm. Right. And then a few stick around and a lot of them disappear. So I had some good ones show up, uh, late July, early August. And I think it was middle of August. I, I hadn't got any pictures of big red. I hadn't gotten any pictures of barbed wire. So I'm wondering still where these two deer are, but I had, Another buck show up, which I didn't recognize him right away. Um, But he showed up, I think it was middle of August, still in velvet. And he got my attention. He was a good buck. He kind of had some non-typical stuff going on. And in the back of my head, I was like, do I know this deer? Because he vaguely looks familiar, but I couldn't place him. And I was hoping to get some more photos of him. Those were the only... Again, the only series of pictures I got of this deer. So, something I was interested in, but I wasn't wasn't really even sure who he was or what he was at that point.
0: Okay, okay. So, do, do, he just didn't you didn't recognize this buck. Uh, any when when did barbed wire then come back into the picture in two thousand nineteen?
1: Well, that's the thing. This actually was barbed wire. And okay. I did not put that together until later
0: on. Gotcha. So the deer that did show up, he was a shooter, right? Oh, he yeah, absolutely. Was, he was a shooter. Shooter. You didn't know it was him. Um, and when did you finally connect the dots and say, dude, this is, this is barbed wire?
1: Believe it or not, I didn't connect the dots until after I shot him.
0: Okay. All right. So was that buck at the time, you know, you, you don't know he's barbed wire yet. Was this buck doing the same thing that barbed wire was doing in previous years? Which, that's kind of a tough question to ask because you really don't, at this point, still don't have a ton of information about him.
1: Right. I didn't have many data points on barbed wire, but yeah. I did where I got his photo. Again, it was one series of photos, and it was in the same spot I got barbed wire's photo two years prior. Okay, So, as far as that, he was in the same area, and that's about all I had to go off of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So was he on the farm on a more regular basis now? Did he, did it seem like this buck kind of moved in and was showing up on trail camera a lot more?
1: Well, at that point, Dan, that was the only pictures I had. So up until, The day I shot him, which it'll make more sense when we get to this point, but that's all I had to go off of. So I still didn't even know who this buck was or if he even called this property home or was just passing through.
0: So it's only one trail camera picture.
1: One trail camera. A series of three photos in 2000. 17 and a series of three photos in 2019 19. and that's all i have to go off of this buck
0: okay but you sent me some more trail camera pictures here um that I, yep. I take it here's what i'm assuming is you shot the deer then went and checked trail cameras and had some more information um, on them something like that okay all right so take it away
1: okay well like i told you i i try to leave this farm until the time is right. I, you know, I pick what I think's the best day to go in and that's whenever I hunt this farm. Well, I had just started my rut vacation. Um, I think my first day of my vacation was like October 27th. But the first day that I decided to go hunt this farm was November 1st. So November 4th or the morning of November 1st, I go in to hunt this farm and I really don't have a whole lot to go off of, um, as far as, you know, information on deer. I got a few, or I got a couple cellular cameras up there that, you know, nothing consistent to go off of. So I just set up, uh, downwind of a known bedding area and, you know, it's off of a big cedar Ridge and I sit there in the morning and you know, I see a lot of does all morning long. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm covered up with does. And for some reason, I didn't see a single buck that morning. All right. So while I'm sitting in my stand, you know, up on the ridge, one of my cell cameras goes off. And it's about 930 in the morning. And I check it, check my phone right there in my stand. And this camera is about 250 yards from where I'm sitting. And sure enough, if it's not this buck, who at this point, I still hadn't connected that it was actually barbed wire, but it was this buck. And I recognized him from his velvet photos and I had him cruising a standing bean field, you know, 250, 300 yards from where I was sitting. So I knew he was right there at that point. So my plan was to get down. I had a couple other cameras I wanted to check that were not cellular cameras. I wanted to check them to try to formulate a game plan for that evening. But in my head, I was thinking that I was going to sit this standing bean field where I'd just gotten the picture of this buck and hope that he comes back out, you know, either checking scrapes
0: or just cruising for right. does. Right. So, so quick I, question. Sorry to interrupt. But when you got that trail camera picture sent to your phone, the he was 250 yards away from where you were currently sitting right
1: uh yeah roughly roughly
0: now was do you feel he was working his way towards you or away from you at that point
1: um i thought he was working his way away from me
0: okay did you think about rattling at all
1: um i honestly didn't think that there's a lot between where I oh, okay. was and where he, as far as like hills and haulers, so no, I really didn't think rattling was going to get him to come in. I didn't even think he'd probably hear it. Okay, so I was really just I was really just banking on the that evening's hunt at that point.
0: All right, so continue. So, Sorry for interrupting.
1: No, you're good. um So I get down and I go check a couple cameras, and the first camera I check, you know, couple couple bucks that i'm not super excited about you know nothing that really screams at me hey i need to sit here so then i go i got one other camera to check and it is on an alfalfa field and i pull that card and to my absolute amazement two days before on october 30th he is on that camera at 3.30 3.30 in the afternoon, broad daylight. Okay. Okay. The day before, which was Halloween, he was there right around 30 minutes after daylight on that camera and actually even bedded down directly in front of my camera. All right. I so, got
0: but you, those pictures you sent me.
1: Yep. Yeah. So I got two days in a row. He's right there in front of that same camera, which is only probably – 80 yards from where I got his picture that morning, so I know he's close. And the one thing I've learned over the years is if you get a bug doing the same thing two days in a row, you better be there the third day in a row. Right. So I had no doubt in my mind what I was doing that afternoon. I even I called my buddy and I said, "Hey, get ready for a phone call tonight because I'm going to kill him tonight." <laughs> Calling your shot—that's risky. That's risky. I. Dan I've never been so confident like everything was lining up perfect and it was a perfect perfect afternoon I had the perfect wind so I hung uh one of my lone wolf stands set it up and this was probably about twelve thirty. I was setting it up and I was setting it up around the edge of the South Alpha, Alpha field you know right honestly I was three yards from where this camera was at where this camera had gotten it this buck's picture the last two days. So I hung a stand and I did something that was a little risky, but I felt good about it. I decided I was going to put a decoy up. All right. And the reason I did that is because this field is pretty good size. It's about a 40 acre alfalfa field. And I figured if he came out, if he happened to come out, at the other end of the field, you know, at least this gave me a better chance of getting him within range um, because I've had good luck with decoys over the years and I feel pretty confident using them that time of year. So I hang my stand and I set up my decoy. And at this point I'm thinking to myself, like, this is probably my only chance because I'm going to booger this up getting out of here. I got to pull this stand down. I got to pull a decoy out of the field. And you know how noisy those decoys are anyway. Yeah. And if there's deer out in the field, I have no way to pull them off. So I know I'm going to booger it up getting out of there. So I'm just praying to God that it happens, you know, that evening. Yeah.
0: Because getting out, in, from my experience over the years, getting out of a a field edge set is just as hard as going into a bedding area for a morning hunt like it is oh dude expe- stresses expe- me out yeah okay. exactly and that's that's actually one reason one of the reasons where I don't even hunt field edges on evening hunts anymore for for that exact reason because in the past man I've blown so many deer out that I've seen in the field but then what are you blowing out when those deer start running away from the field, right? You don't even have a clue what's going on. Exactly. And I mean,
1: I don't like the either, but based on the trail camera pictures I had, I figured this was going to be one of my last shots anyway, before he got completely unpredictable with the rut.
0: Yeah. That's a good move, man. It's a good move. It was was worth a chance.
1: So anyway, I set up my decoy and I'm, sitting in my stand and i'm texting my buddy I'm sending him pictures of my setup and you know I'm telling him i'm all set up ready to go well i sit there and i don't see a single deer it is completely dead which i'm okay with because i don't want a bunch of deer in the field i just want one deer in the field that's right so so i'm sitting there and it's getting this is before daylight savings time so it gets dark at 6 30 Five o'clock. I see a big-bodied deer step out in the end of the field, and before I even get my binoculars up, I know that it's him. Yeah, and he's probably three hundred yards away from me at this point. And what time is it?
0: It's right, almost
1: dead on five o'clock.
0: Okay, so, so I still have two hours hour late. He, he's two hours later than normal from the past two days of trail camera pictures, right? Right.
1: But he's okay. still plenty early as far as daylight. Yep. I yep. still have an hour, hour and a half of daylight. So, so I'm just watching him. I'm not in any big hurry. I got plenty of time. Um, he's just really just kind of feeding in the alfalfa. He's not in any big hurry. Uh doesn't look like he's on any kind of mission looking for does or anything like that. He's just kind of taking his time feeding and he's working his way in my direction. Uh, so I'm just going to let him come at his own pace, you know, and at this point, he doesn't, does not see the decoy. Well, he starts to kind of veer off the path that he needs to be coming. He starts veering the wrong direction. And at this point, he's probably 250 yards away from me. So I give him a couple loud grunts until I know that he heard me and he looked at me and finally he picked up the decoy. I could tell that he's seen it because he changed his course and started
0: working directly towards me. What was his body language at that point? I mean, you, you mentioned he was feeding, he was relaxed once you grunted and he got the attention and the decoy got his attention. What did his body language do?
1: Well, that was, it was strange because I've had bucks coming in the decoy before. And usually as soon as they see it, it's either fight or flight. And, This buck here didn't really seem that affected by it. He seen the decoy and he was working his way towards it, but he really wasn't posturing. He was really just taking his time and still feeding as he came. Got you. So it it was kind of a strange reaction, one that I don't think I've ever actually seen before.
0: From his advantage, Uh, could he see the entire decoy? Like was it silhouetted on the skyline or was it just like his shoulders and head that he could see?
1: Um, it, I don't think he's seen the silhouette, but he should have been able to see the whole decoy Got where he was at. He had all a good right. vantage point. So he's just working his way, and I'm just letting him come. You know, I'm not getting in any hurry. I'm not trying to press the envelope at all um, because he's he's doing what I need him to do. He's just taking his time doing it. Well, he gets to about – 80 yards from from me and probably well, 80 to 100 yards from the decoy. And his body language changes at this point. He starts scraping the ground and actually snort wheezes two different times. So as soon as I see and hear that, I'm like, all right, it's a done deal because he's in the mood to come in and he's going to give me a perfect 20-yard shot.
0: Right. So quick question from your wind position. Okay. Uh, and I think we don't often talk about decoy strategy here on this podcast, just because I don't ever use decoys, but what, where, what was the wind doing in relationship to where you had positioned this decoy?
1: Okay. So he, my wind was okay. The wind was kind of hitting me at a quartering angle in the face okay towards towards the buck but the decoy and the wind were to the west of me the buck was also to the west of me so i mean it was just a perfect wind to where he was
0: coming in downwind of the decoy but still upwind of me okay perfect that's perfect so yeah he starts to get a little bit aggressive he starts snort wheezing uh he's coming in once he starts to change that body language and get a little you know starting to show a little dominance did his pace pick up closer to you like coming in faster
1: um yeah i mean he started walking a little bit quicker but it was more of the back and forth you know look at me type walk um And at this point, so I got, I've got my bow in my hand and I'm trying to relax, tell myself, you know, I've, I've done this before. It's just a deer because I don't know about you, but seeing a deer come in like that to a decoy, there's something about it. that just gets me jacked up. So I'm trying to stay calm while all this is going on and I'm just watching him. And I set, I set this stand up. It's right on the edge of the South Alpha field. But it's – I got a big overhanging branch, and it's perfect for cover, but the deer almost has to clear this branch before I can get a shot. Right. Okay? Well, he's getting real close to where I need him, and he's behind this branch, and I'm just waiting for him to clear. Well, he's probably – Oh, he's probably 15, 20 yards from the Deke boy and probably 30 yards from me. Well, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. He definitely did not win me. But something – there was something he didn't quite like because his body language completely changed, and he turned 180 degrees around. He didn't run off, but
0: I could tell something had changed, and he did not like it. Did his attention so, – when you say he turned a hundred and eighty degrees around, was did he hear something from the timber, like behind him? Did more deer enter the field? I mean, what do you what do you think no. spooked him? I don't know if
1: uh, if he maybe caught some of my ground scent when I was setting the decoy up, ah. which is possible. But something spooked him. He didn't he didn't run, and it wasn't a bad spook, but. I'm thinking he's not coming into the decoy any further at this point. Right. So, so at this point, he's 30 yards from me. He's behind this limb and I'm thinking that he's getting ready to bolt. So I look at this limb and I see a hole that I could, that I am pretty confident I can shoot through. And I basically tell myself, You know, it's now or never, you know, this is the only chance I'm going to get. So this is where things get kind of dicey. I draw back. He's standing there perfectly broadside. Now I should mention that this year I switched from a wrist strap index finger release to a three finger thumb release. Okay. Okay. I'm also wearing my Sitka net gaiter. I think you probably know where this is going. I draw back and somehow my trigger on my release got caught on my net gaiter, flung my arrow three feet over his back. Uh. Dude, I was so sick. I was cussing myself, dude. And Immediately,
0: I just reached down, grabbed another arrow, knock what, it. What did he do at that point when, when the arrow f- shanks, right? And what did he do? Did he just kind of like freak out? I watched him. Instantly just I watched, turn right at you? I watched him take
1: one big bound kind of out the way he had come in. And at that point, I quit looking at him. I'm thinking to myself that I blew it, but I'm going to knock another arrow just in case, you know, I can get him to come back. I knock another arrow, grab my bow, look up. And to my amazement, he's still standing in basically the same spot he was. It's like he took one bound and stopped, which to me, I kind of attribute that to three different things. Number one, I didn't ever stop this deer. He stopped on his own. So he was not on alert. Whenever I shot number two, my bow is ultra quiet. And number three, the decoy being right there, I think kind of had enough of his attention that he just didn't really put together what was going on. So I look up and he's still standing there. So how far now again, right at 30 yards, he really didn't move, but a couple steps. Okay. So. I draw back, and at this point, I'm thinking, "Don't, don't make the same mistake twice." So, I draw back, I get settled, touch it off, and I watch my arrow bury into his side. Buh. But, but I didn't get a pass through. Okay. And where I shot this deer in the alfalfa field, there's a big crest to the field. So I watched my arrow bury into him. I watched him turn, run hard directly away from me. And within 15 yards, he was over this crest and out of sight. So I had nothing else to go off of. And he was running directly towards the neighbors. So that's all I know. I know I got an arrow in him.
0: Whereabouts did the arrow hit him?
1: Well, I'm usually pretty good at, I got a lighted knock on my arrows. So I'm usually pretty good at keeping track of where I hit the deer, but I was second guessing myself. I thought I hit him and this is what I told everyone I talked to, middle body, middle up and down, middle front to back. I thought I was right around that liver area. Yep. Yep. Which which I am perfectly fine with. You know. Yep. I have no problem hitting the deer in the liver as long as I stay away from that shoulder. Yeah. But because I didn't get a pass through, I was second guessing, you know, maybe I was so rattled from that first shot. Is it possible that I hit that shoulder and didn't even realize it? Um, because I've never shot a deer where I thought that I hit him and not gotten a pass through. Yeah. It was just, it didn't make sense to me.
0: So was the deer so, angling away or quartering towards when you, when you shot him or was he perfect broadside?
1: I thought he was perfectly
0: broadside. Yeah. Yeah. So. One thing that I've noticed over the years is that, and this is why I personally don't use lighted knocks anymore, is because if you shoot a deer, and this is an experience with a doe I had, I thought that I hit her in a place that I didn't actually hit her because for some reason your eye is trained to follow the lighted knock and not actually where the broadhead enters the body. So did you think, did you think about that at all? Like, yeah, it wasn't a pass-through, I hit the lighted knock. The lighted knock may be lined up with that liver area even though the deer is kind of running away and it may have looked like I hit liver, but I, I was actually right in the Boilermaker. Honestly,
1: no, I didn't. I did, that did never cross my mind. I my biggest thought was that I I screwed up. I was shooken up from missing the first time, and somehow I hit that shoulder, and that was a nightmare scenario for me. Okay. All right. And to make to make things worse, the way the way that field was, I only had a couple seconds to even watch him to get pick up more clues on the shot.
0: So okay. I really didn't. I didn't have a whole lot to go off of. So, did you see uh, any blood on impact? Like did you notice any blood squirting out of him on that that split second that you that you saw him after the shot? I did not. Did not. Okay. All right, so he runs out of sight. What's going through your mind at this point? I mean, I'm jacked because
1: I know I got an arrow in this deer, but I'm nervous. You know, I'm second guessing myself and, you know, I called a couple of buddies and they confirmed what I was already thinking that I'm going to have to wait until morning. You know, there's no sense in taking any chances. Yeah. So I drive, I, I lay my decoy down in the field just to give me, you know, a kind of a marker as to where the deer was at. I lay him down in the field before I get out. I don't even look for, any blood i just backed straight out okay um i then drove the hour and a half home um i decided to come home and bring a friend back with me the next morning okay so here we are the next morning and a sleepless night of course and i got for some reason before i went to pick my buddy up i went down to my basement and Grabbed them sheds that I found two years ago, and I was just looking at them, and it instantly hit me as I was holding those sheds (laughs) that this is the deer that I just shot, and I don't know how I didn't put it together sooner. Oh, man. That must have been a good feeling. That was a great feeling. I couldn't believe it. But I was also nervous because I wasn't even sure if I made a good hit. So we drive— we drive back to the farm and I should have mentioned um Illinois it's legal to use tracking dogs. Yep. And I had I had already contacted a couple guys with dogs the night before and had them on standby, you know, in case I did need their help. So if it came down to it, I was gonna call a dog in
0: to help me pick up the track. All right. So so you, so you had a dog on standby? Yes. Okay.
1: So we get to where uh where I had shot the deer and we're looking for first blood. And I don't know if you've ever looked for blood in that alfalfa field, but it is not easy. No, it's not. And and we could not find could not find blood anywhere. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure where the deer was standing. So, you know, we were just kind of grid in this alfalfa field looking for blood. And after 30 minutes, we still had no blood. And I tried to call one of the guys with the dog because I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is going to be our only hope to get a dog in here. Yeah. Well, he doesn't answer. I think he's actually on another track at this time. So I leave him a message to call me back. Well, in the meantime, we keep looking, and we're almost on our hands and knees looking for blood. And finally, I pick up a drop of blood. So now we have something to go off of, and we follow follow blood for oh, probably 40 yards through the alfalfa field until he hit uh, until he hit grass. And once he hit the grass, you know, it was pretty easy to follow his trail at that point. You know, it wasn't the best blood trail, but it definitely wasn't the worst trail I've ever been on right um we don't find any beds he uh he just kind of kept going and it was pretty clear which direction he was headed he was kind of working his way down down this draw and you know pretty much in a straight line so we just kept following and picking up
0: blood as we went and pretty soon consistent blood right so he makes it into the timber and the blood becomes a little easier to see
1: well, he never made it to the timber. It was just like a a grassy draw is okay. where he was at, but, but it's real real tall grass.
0: It, but the blood's picking up enough now to where you are. It's much not, easier to it, follow. Much easier. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yes,
1: we don't find any any beds, so we're just following pretty consistent blood as we go. And my buddy, I heard my buddy say, "Hey, there he is." We're only a hundred and 20 yards from where i had shot this deer and he goes there he is i was like no i was like that's my arrow my arrow was sticking straight up in the air well i didn't realize it because i couldn't tell the arrow was still in the deer and my lighted knock was lit up and it was sticking straight up in the air it's like oh my god there he is
0: (laughs) so it was like a beacon hey come find me
1: exactly yeah
0: so, so you you walk. I mean, you see that, and he was only a hundred yards from where you shot him.
1: Hundred to a hundred and
0: fifty, probably. Okay, so somewhere somewhere under two hundred yards. Uh, what I mean, when you walk up to him, where did you where did you hit him?
1: I hit him exactly where I thought I hit him. Yeah. that's the funny thing. But I actually think he was quartering away a little bit when I whenever I thought he was perfectly broadside because whenever I gutted this gear, I didn't even touch the liver. I actually got the back of both lungs. Okay. All right. So it ended up being a perfect shot, but my arrow stuck it hit a rib on the opposite side and stuck it must have hit just perfect and it stuck in that rib cage and that's why I didn't get the pass through. Yeah. So I was worried about shoulder but actually a rib is what stopped me from getting my pass through
0: yeah so that's what i'm talking about when i say if on a lighted knock if that deer is quartering away or quartering towards just a little bit your eye is drawn to the lighted knock portion of it and i think what people forget is that the lighted knock does not equal where you shot the buck right and uh the whole point was you know, it may have looked like you hit liver, but you actually hit way, you know, like way before that, you know, uh, ahead of that because your eye sees the lighted knock and right behind the lighted knock is the liver.
1: That makes a lot of sense, and I'd never really thought about that before, but yeah. it's definitely something I'm going to consider next time. Um, But anyway, so yeah, we, wa- we walked up to the deer and uh, I had those sheds with me and I put those sheds up to them, and it was 110% the same deer. Man,
0: that's crazy. Barbed wire. So so barbed wire has fallen, and at this point, is your mind just blown?
1: Oh, yeah, especially this was my sixth hunt of the year. Like, I had just started my rut vacation. Yeah. My, yeah. my sixth hunt of the year, my first day hunting this farm, and I shot, A buck that I never thought was even a possibility, you know. I thought barbed wire was long gone, and it was just,
0: I couldn't believe it. It was more than I could have ever hoped for going into the season. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Congratulations, man. I love stories like this. Um, And I know a lot of people don't get the ability to follow a deer for several years, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like some of us. You know, like a lot of the uh, public land guys probably don't get the opportunity to follow deer like some of us private ground guys do. Um, But it's still an awesome story nonetheless. And uh, I just, I love, I can kind of relate to you in the fact that uh, other than last year's buck, last year's buck is the only time I've ever found a shed and then killed a deer. I've never had any other bucks on a farm uh, on on any of the properties that I hunt where I've found a shed uh, that went to the buck that I eventually killed so I I think that is just that's awesome when you can do it like put put a story together tell a story. Hey, I found this uh, shed antler. I was the first person to ever touch this or me and my buddy found this and, uh, and those type of memories and those type of stories that are just going to last forever. Right. Uh,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's one more tiny piece to the story here. Okay. Uh, So this was two days later and it was actually after I'd already taken the bucks, the taxidermist and, I was with my wife, we were going out to dinner and something was nagging at me and I couldn't figure out what it was, but I was thinking about barbed wire and I was thinking about big red and I'm thinking, what are the chances that barbed wire disappeared in 2018, but big red showed up in 2018 and then 2019 barbed wire is there and now big red is gone. Yeah. So i pull up the picture of big red in 2018 and at 110 it's it's actually barbed wire that i thought was a completely different buck
0: so his antler characteristics you felt were so different that it made you think he was a completely different buck
1: i think what it was is i was going into 2018 i was expecting a non-typical buck yeah you know and he here he was a perfectly typical 12. Well, so I never even put it together. And then when I actually looked at him again, their frame is identical. There's no uh, mistaking it. So it's just weird that, you know, I finally finally put all the pieces together, and he was actually a lot closer to me than I ever even realized.
0: Okay. So – Man, that's crazy. And and man, you know, I've had a couple bucks throughout the years um, who have been, let's say, like a nine pointer or an 11 pointer where one year the four point side is on the left. The next year, the four point side is on the right and they grow. It's weird how they grow, you know, five points on one side. And then four points on that same side, and I've had a. But you can tell it's the same exact frame. Uh, the G two characteristics or the main beam characteristics are the same, um, and that is that in itself is crazy. So it's, that's just another thing that I love about the, you know, the how antlers grow, what the genetics are, and the the ability to almost transform into something completely different within a year.
1: Oh yeah. And it's also, it's also goes to show you, you know, how hard it actually is to age these deer without trail cam picture history. Yeah. You know, because I never would have guessed that this buck was as old as he actually was. Had I not had the previous year's trail cam pictures, you know, but.
0: So let's see, you guessed him to be four or five in 2017, 2018, 2019. So you're saying you killed a six, seven, or eight-year-old? Roughly? I'm saying he is seven and a half, seven.
1: at least. Okay, that's what that's what I believe. But I actually, I'm going to send his teeth off and find out for sure.
0: All right, man, that's awesome. So I'm excited to see what how that comes back. Yeah, I would love to. But, uh, I would love to hear, you know, how old how old he actually is. Um, I tell you, I, I just can't get over the fact that. You know like all this the story all kind of came to a conclusion after the buck was dead. You know what I mean? like you had exactly. all these these moments where, oh my God, I just killed a buck that I thought was a different buck, and hey, I just found his sheds and I didn't know who he was or whatever, and then it's just like, boom, holy shit, uh, that's crazy and I and actually, my 2018 buck was the same way where I, I found the shed one year, I knew it was him. I knew what buck it went to and then I knew that I killed the deer that I found the shed to but then I would dug through all my sheds and I feel I have two other antlers from the buck that I shot. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to go back and dig through sheds uh and and kind of get the history. Did you happen to find that you know of any other sheds from this buck let's say as a 2 or 3 year old?
1: um no I don't believe so um like I said and I don't he may have just showed up in 2017 because I don't have any pictures or sheds of him from 2016 or before so I don't know where he came from but man it all it all worked out perfect yeah
0: well congrats man really appreciate uh you taking time to tell the story
1: yeah no problem I appreciate you having me on Dan
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That brings us to an end of Friday's episode. Hopefully everybody gets a chance to get outside and have some fun this weekend. I know uh, gun season's here for Iowa, and I'm sure there's uh, other things you can do outside the United States this time of year. I'm just kind of in a a little bit of a depression now that uh, the rut is over, and I have to wait an entire year to hunt the rut again. So unless I decide to go down south, which if... I asked my wife to go. To, if I asked my wife to go to the grocery store. She'd probably tell me no. So I don't know why I'm laughing. Uh, anyway, uh, have a that's one of those things where it's actually funnier in your head than when you say it, and so I like laugh at my own jokes. But anyway, hopefully everybody has a, a, a great rest of their week. huge shout out to Levi for coming on the podcast and chatting with us today. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, Vortex, Prime, Ozonix, Wasp, Ripcord, and Lone Wolf. Please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast. And uh, just try to keep it classy. God damn it. I, I will talk to you guys later. Bye.